This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, good evening, it's Cruise Control. My name is Ali Johan and on the show tonight, as usual, our automotive specialist, Mr. Daniel Sherman Fernandez. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Thank you and uh, I don't know if I can be called a specialist. I just love cars. Yes. And I just love to ask you about all these cars <laughs> that we have on the program every, every week. week, week in, week out. Right? Yep. Uh, as usual, three parts of the program tonight. We've got news on an incoming Peugeot 408 uh, electric vehicles about to be made in Thailand. Uh, we find out what's up with that. The Mitsubishi Expander and Expander PHEV are coming on, as well as Urban SUV by Alfa Romeo. Second part of the show, we're going to be talking about more SUVs turning into more emissions and see what the case is with that one, as well as a drive review of the brand new Proton S70. Malaysia's favourite sedan, Daniel? I think for now, yes. Uh, yeah, let's get into that later in the show. That's right. Some local news first. So it looks like Peugeot 408 is going to be coming to Malaysia soon, right? Because Daniel, uh, recently uh, the company Stellantis Malaysia announced this at the launch. Uh, the 408 Peugeot has a fastback silhouette, but very odd, disruptive geometric design, as they call it. Yes. So um, Stellantis actually teased it, not just announced it. Uh, they had a little uh, investor gathering. We were not invited. They don't invite media for this. This oh. is an internal thing. Okay. Uh, but what happened is uh, we sort of uh, found out about it. I won't say how. And they had the 408 there on uh, T's. So having the 408 there, showing it to the investors, uh, which include bankers and you know people of interest to the brand, shows that uh, Stellantis is very serious about launching this car. We have also photographed the car being tested up in Gurun, which is where they have the factory. And also it's been spotted, someone else uh, photographed it in Kuala Lumpur under camouflage. So it's definitely coming. We know for sure after speaking to the new MD that the car is going to be launched this year. The only question is how much will the price be? Now, when we were in the Bangkok, uh, sorry, Thai Motor Expo in Bangkok a um, few months ago, this car was already launched in Thailand. There was a white version there. And then uh, when we looked at it and we saw the Thai price with the local currency and everything else, just below 200,000 ringgit. Of course, the Thai taxation system is different. Their specs are different. Uh, so it's not going to be something that's uh, going to come in as to compete with, say, the Proton S70, for example, or even the Honda City or Toyota Vios. This is one level up. So I I would put this car side by side with, say, the Honda Civic Ooh. and the Mazda 3. Ah, right. Okay, it's yeah. in that size and, and in that price range. Yes, and it may look small in pictures, but actually this is a sizable vehicle. Uh, I've seen it in the flesh overseas. Now, you know, sitting on a stand uh, like that, uh, uh, you walk around it, you get to feel the dimensions of the car, you know? Mm. And on top of that, because it's a fastback, it has a bigger cabin space than you would imagine, you know? A bigger boot space and everything else. So... I suspect the price will be about 170, 180. This is just a very, very rough guesstimate. But that would put it squarely right in the middle of Honda Civic territory, which is currently the market favorite for that segment. Right. And, you know, Peugeot is coming back to Malaysia, it seems. And uh, with this car, they've, they've 
put on a new grill and I think I'm seeing a lot more uh, modern cars with this grill design the very wide yes. grill covering the entire you know length from uh, the wheelbase and, oh, and why it's got a wide grill because it's not an electric car that's right it's got electric engine electric have grills yeah um also the very nice saber tooth like uh, front lights that's like the yes. signature of the new Peugeot um, design language these days yes with the 3008 you see the 2008 and also the 4008 yeah mm. okay moving on to in Thailand uh, we hear that Japanese companies are investing to build their EVs for our Southeast Asian market because recently Honda Toyota Mitsubishi and Isuzu have joined forces with the Thai government and they're trying to respond to the Chinese auto companies Invading Southeast Asia, Daniel. Yeah, so this is, um, this I think is long overdue. But you know, the Japanese have been playing it safe with electric cars. Mm. Like I've said some some years ago, even recently I said it, uh, the Japanese know how to build an electric car. They were, it's not new to them. You know, Nissan Leaf was there many years ago. Um, Nissan is still building electric cars. They got the Aria, they got the Aura, you know, plus, plus the latest Leaf. Uh, Mitsubishi has got electric cars. They're building electric cars. Honda has played with the game and they've got an electric SUV right now in the market and they're already building in Thailand, but it's not coming to Malaysia yet. I don't understand why. Uh, I've not been informed why. I can't even make a guess. I suppose maybe they haven't got the right uh, price or they are, you know, they, maybe they haven't got the right number of cars to put on the road. Uh, because if you launch something like this, tax-free price is going to, is going to be overwhelming, you know, the, the response. Uh, maybe they need time to ramp up production. Maybe there's an issue with the battery supply or software. We don't know. Right. So the, the Japanese know this. But you see, like in Japan, you can find the Mitsubishi compact electric car. It's like, a, it's like you know, the old Canary? Yeah. It's a square, boxy-shaped vehicle. It's electric. It sells very well. It's it's a, it's basically a box, lah, you know. And these kind of vehicles are now coming back in style in even Malaysia, like K-Cars uh, concept. So I think what they've done is they've said, okay, we'll watch and see how Asia responds to electric cars, charging infrastructure, you know, adoption of, um, uh, you know, uh, charging at home using solar panels and everything else. And they're seeing the take-up rate moving forward. The Thai government officials who went there to talk to them, and, and, you know, persuade them to, hey, listen, come to our country. Let's do this. Let's do some technology transfer. Let's, you know, we got the workforce. We got so many factories here. We are the Detroit of Asia, you know. Now, they've done that. They've done it very well. So, for the four big Japanese boys to come and say, yes, we're going to start building, I think uh, it shows that Japanese electric cars are coming to the ASEAN region, which is the fastest growing region for electric cars right now. But will it be in time for us to still enjoy that free tax benefit, import duty benefit, which ends, ends this year. Yeah, see? time is running out. Yeah. Um, and then and then there's also stories that it might be extended in Malaysia. Ah, that, the right. free tax, you know, benefit, yeah. It remains to be seen for that. But Bangkok being the, as you said, the Detroit of Asia, um, these companies like Honda, Toyota, Mitsubishi, Isuzu, they already make their ice cars, petrol cars in Thailand. Yeah. They have factories there it's, already. Yeah, Isuzu is big with its pickup truck business, huge. They actually make pickup trucks there and export it around the region. You know, mm. Mitsubishi, the same thing. They got factories there. They got factories in, uh, in uh, not general factory, uh, factories there and also in Indonesia because they do very well with their pickup trucks and everything else. And then Honda has got two factories there building passenger cars. That's great. I wish they bring in the Honda E to this region. Yes, so it, it might be coming, you know, they might expand and come. But, you know, every new factory takes time to build, to ramp up. And then, of course, there's a material issue. So we'll have to wait and see. Nice. Okay, still in Thailand, uh, we mentioned this company earlier, Mitsubishi. Uh, they have uh, now announced that they're producing the popular 
seven-seater family SUV, the Xpander, and adding another new uh, engine variant, the Xpander Cross Hybrid variant as well. Uh, they're building this in Thailand, Daniel. Yes. So the Xpander has been, you know, glowing success. Okay. In Malaysia, it's it's the one vehicle that's giving uh, Mitsubishi Malaysia a ridiculous amount of profit. Why is it I so popular? Um, well, it's below hundred thousand ringgit. You get a seven-seater MPV. You know, it's it's it does the job, lah. You know, mm. it's a one-point-five engine. It's a very simple engine, simple gearbox. You know, in this in this um, segment, Malaysians, yes, they can be critical about or oh, what features you have and all that. But to be honest, all they want is a spacious seven-seater, not just a seven-seater. The third-row seat must be usable for at least you know teenagers. Yeah. You know with some luggage room available at the back of it. They want a simple engine. They don't want an engine that's going to break down or give them hassle. So the one-point engine, yes, the 1.5 engine is old. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, a dated engine. But it's a very reliable and, and uh, easy-to-fix engine. Mm. And on top of that, you've got a simple gearbox. And then you have vehicle connectivity on the entertainment system. That's what a family needs below 100,000. They don't need anything fancy. They want the fancy on the outside. You know, the chrome, the grill, the lights, the shape. And Mitsubishi gave them that. Now, there were a lot of people when this vehicle first came out said, oh, you know, it's old tech and this and that. How wrong were they? Hmm. And then you look at some other manufacturers who are giving, you know, latest tech, latest features and everything else. And the vehicles are not reliable. Because why? This is something that is running on the road, running, you know, every every long weekend, it's running outstation, you know, it's 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 a commuter vehicle that needs to be reliable. That's so right. Mitsubishi got it right. So now with the expander, they've gone in hybrid now. Mm. Um Mitsubishi have been doing hybrids before, they know the, the the game. Now, why did it take so long to come up with a hybrid? Because again, they want it to be reliable, they want it to be efficient. I'm not gonna throw it into the public when I'm selling hundreds of thousands of units in ASEAN. I want to make sure when I throw it out in the showrooms, it gets on the road trouble-free. Yep. You know? And, you know, I've, I've learned that some companies design and develop cars based on the Southeast Asian uh, driving style and markets and roads. Yeah, this is purely for Southeast Asia. Mm. You know, Vietnam, I mean, in Vietnam, I remember when they launched this expander. It was launched in Vietnam and Indonesia before Malaysia. Can you believe that? Mm. Even though we are a big market. Why? Because that market, they have big families. Yep. They need something, you know, the right word is cheap and cheerful, you know? And it's very dense. Yes. Right. And they did very well and they're still doing very well. So they had uh, facelifts in those countries, which came out first. They had localized facelifts. Now they're coming with a hybrid version because then people are saying, you know, fuel prices are going up. We need something a bit more efficient, but we like what we've been seeing, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. The only thing is, it's probably going to break the 99,000 ringgit mark. Uh, well, you know, even if it's 10,000 ringgit more, you know, psychologically people say, for example, say it's now 115,000. Psychologically, people say, oh, it's above 100,000. But I know Mitsubishi. They will say, never mind. I'll give you a good loan. I'll give you a good warranty. You can afford it, you know? Maybe you trade in your old expander and get this new one, you know? And let someone else with a lower income value buy your used expander. Awesome. So that's uh, in Thailand, Mitsubishi expander with a new hybrid version as well. We're going to see some global headlines because recently we saw the newly facelifted Audi Q7 for 2024. It is beautiful. Now, you've seen a lot of Q7s on the road, right? Mm. Over the last 10 years. But there's not been a new one for so long. Like almost 10 years. Yes. So when, they, when the Q7 first came out, 
it did so well. Seven seater, you know, big SUV. Uh, they had a diesel version. They had a petrol version. In Malaysia, they sold quite a bit. And then the grey imported brought in so many units. It started going everywhere. Today, of course, you know, after many years, the values have dropped. But a new one did not appear. And I'm not talking about not not appearing uh, for the, just the local market. I'm talking from the factory. The factory didn't produce anyone. Instead, they were working on the Q3, the Q2, the Q1, the Q5, you know, the Q8. And then we thought maybe because the Q8 was so big, why bother with the Q7, you know? Hmm. But the Q7 was something like a Q5 with just, you know, uh, extended rear to give that extra space. So I think they, did, they, they they thought, hey, you know, I think we need we need a new Q7 because there is a market. And, you know, all those 10-year-old Q7s, the older ones, need to be replaced. The owners might want to replace them with a new one, you know? That's so right. let's capitalize on that market. And these are cars that owners want to double up or replace with the same model types. Well, if you're happy with a certain vehicle, you'll normally go back to the same nameplate, you know? If there's a new one with an interesting price. Of course, some people say, oh, you need an upgrade. But, you know, it's a Q7. How much more do you want to upgrade? Yeah, and It's already big, luxurious, feature-filled, and it looks good. Yeah, yeah. this came out in the US and uh, being us in Malaysia, Audi Malaysia has been quite active with uh, their electric cars and new cars launches. Do you think this will come here soon? I think for sure because uh, recently, uh, you know, Audi and Volkswagen is under the same uh, same uh, brand owner. So they mentioned how they're going to bring in the Volkswagen Turag. And the Turag has not been the most popular vehicle for many years simply because of its price. Yeah. It's a very expensive Volkswagen. But very expensive Volkswagen means it wants to play with the Porsche Cayenne, the BMW X5, the Mercedes GL. So they might say, hey, let's bring in an Audi Q7 to play in that same game, you know? Yeah, looking forward to seeing it in the flesh because it looks the dimensions look good. It's a bit elongated but lower. Yeah. Oof, very, very nice. Okay, finally, uh, an Italian company, Alfa Romeo. We just reported about them possibly coming back to Malaysian market, right? Yes, and because under Stellantis. They are under the Stellantis brand. I see. Okay, and now we're getting closer to seeing an Alfa Romeo urban SUV because it's been tested uh, in Europe and in Italy at their base camp. Uh, the Alfa Romeo Milano SUV looks like a kind of like a compact SUV, Daniel. Yes. You see, when we first saw pictures of this, it was just standing by itself. Camouflage, of course. Uh, this was uh, some weeks ago. So we didn't pay too much attention to it because well, we know Alfa Romeo is still you know far away from coming to Malaysia. So we didn't even announce it because Specs were not revealed, size, dimension, features, engine size, nothing was shared. It's just, you know, a camouflage of a small vehicle. And, you know, over the, the last maybe five, six years, Alfa Romeo has teased a few models, even the revival of the GTV, uh, a new Giulia and things like that. But nothing really happened. You know, I think they've been just selling that, you know, Stelvio and, and Giulia and thinking, ah, we can survive, you know, because we've got, we understand Stellantis. Stellantis is very rich. They've got other great brands. But Alfa Romeo is such a, how you say, uh, you know, emotional brand, you right, know? Right. People want an Alfa Romeo. Not many people can afford it, but many people want an Alfa Romeo. It's like, you a, know? It's like a cult favorite. Yes, you see, I want an Alfa Romeo. Definitely, you know, whether yeah. it's old or new, I want an Alfa Romeo. I know, I know I can't afford it. I know it might be a little quirky at times, but I want an Alfa Romeo. So, when we saw this again, very recently, uncovered, and then we said, wow, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, Pretty nice looking vehicle, but with a couple of people standing next to it, they showed the engineer standing next to it. Then we realized how small it was. All right. So it's more like, uh, I would say, slightly larger than a Honda HRV, not as big as a Honda CRV. Okay. 
So you're coming into a, a you know compact crossover. Of course, some of them like to use the word compact SUV. I'd rather use the word crossover because I think it's car-based. I don't think it's a hardcore 4 by 4 vehicle. Right, right. You know? So like like the ASX is like that kind of... Yes, yes. But of course, being an Alfa Romeo, if you look at it, it's got that wonderful front face. Mm. You know, that you know that whole design language is so emotional. Uh, it's curvaceous, you know. It's got slightly flat fenders. It's got ni- it'll come with nice big wheels. It'll probably come with a 2-litre engine or hybrid power plant. We're not sure yet. Um, only problem is, if Stellantis were to bring this in, it will not be cheap. Right, fully imported, obviously. It'll be fully imported. Mm. There's no reason to do local assembly because you cannot, you know, you cannot look at it as a vehicle that's going to sell two, three thousand units a year. It'll probably sell a few hundred units a year. But if it's going to be something premium in that segment, it's going to be a hard sell to even get maybe a few hundred units a year because right now with the electric car movement going so rapidly in Malaysia and with the free tax supposedly going to be extended, you might as well buy a smart hashtag one. Which is going to be about the same size. Yeah, interesting. You know, or a BYD Auto3. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or a BYD Yuan who's coming very soon. Because these are all the same size vehicles. But because they're electric, they're fully electric, they, they enjoy the tax-free status. Now, maybe the Milano might be fully electric. I don't know. It hasn't been disclosed with which kind it of... It hasn't been shared with us uh, uh, as to, you know, radio date. Uh, if it's fully electric, then hey, definitely. the price could be very, very interesting. Yeah, in the game for, for a good... Uh, competition there with the rest of uh, the, the EVs in that price range. Correct. Um, so that's Alfa Romeo Milano, a new urban SUV. Daniel, if any, if for me, if anything, if I want Alfa Romeo back, I want them to give uh, the, our police cars Alfa Romeo's back. You oh, you, you know, you're showing your age because <laughs> only people of a certain age will remember that the Malaysian police, PDRF, was using Alfa Romeo's yeah. and they used them with so much, and there was a Julia, there was a, you know, the two-liter Berlina. Um, I mean, those days, you know, those were the fastest cars on the road. Yeah. So you know, it, even it, the 1.3 Julia was the fastest, you know, the twin carb setup and everything else. Uh, the only thing is the police never used the Alpha Sun, you know, or the Alpha Sprint, the sporty versions. But the, the sedans were so popular. And today you see the sedans, they still have a lot of character. Of course, you know, with all the rust on them. <laughs> yes. That's the, the bad thing about old Alphas, like, you know, the rusting issue. Like, you know? Yeah, I'm just saying they could they could make a lot of sales and big numbers uh, in this country if they'd gone that way. But anyway, so that's uh, the news headlines we have from uh, the local and regional and global automotive industries around the world. Um, we're going to come back with a discussion on SUVs and emissions right here on Cruise Control BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, it's Cruise Control. My name is Ali Johan, joined by Daniel Fernandez. Thanks for sticking with us. Now, we're going to discuss this, Daniel, the rising demand for large SUVs and large uh, sedan cars with like high CC engines, right? Uh, right. They, they're not helping the emission reduction, but SUVs in general have been so popular in the world right now. Yes, so SUVs, it's a fact. The sports utility vehicles are the most popular type of vehicle in every single country where they are launched. The moment an SUV is launched, it is the best-selling. Um, i give you a simple example. The Mazda CX-5. In the Mazda range of vehicles, and you know, they've got very nice sedans. They've got a 6, they've got a 3, they've got a 2. But it's the CX-5 that's the best 
selling Mazda nameplate, you know. Mm. So just like that, if you talk to BMW, you talk to Mercedes, Audi, uh, Volkswagen, like in Malaysia, Volkswagen, the Tiguan is the best selling. Not the Golf GTI. The Golf GTI should be the best selling. <laughs> Not the Tiguan. I'm sorry. But you know, it just it, it's just funny that, you know, the iconic Golf GTI sells less than the Tiguan. Mm. And it's not because people don't like the Golf GTI. People like SUVs, you know. Yeah. Even for Proton. Even for Perdua. The SUV sell, you know. But of course, the Myvi is still the best seller for Perdua. Now, put all that aside. This is the problem. And I only have one thing to say. I don't like big cars. I like small cars. Because... I don't have a large family. And if I had a large family, I'll buy an MPV. Mm, because yeah. that's why you need the most seats. But a lot of people think by having an SUV means I have a commanding view of the road. I feel safer on the road. You know, and when the flood comes, I can go through the flood. But you've seen those flood pictures, like my friend, eh, over the years. The SUVs are all floating like the cars. Like, you yeah, know? Even a good ground clearance might uh, still not make you safe. Lah. Yes. You know, even the pickup trucks, 4x4 four four hardy pickup trucks are floating like little, you know, paper boats, you know, and because flood water is flood water. But of course, it's just a visual thing that SUVs will be safer for me to drive. And then there's people who say, oh, I need an SUV because I go to my Dusun or I go and visit my, my, my relatives in a small town, the roads are bad. Come on. Those people living in those small towns, they are driving old Proton Sagas, old Perduas, and they're driving on the same road with 13-inch wheels, 14-inch wheels. So... I'm not saying it's wrong to own an SUV. It's your money. You buy what you want. Manufacturers follow the trend and say, okay, some of them are building more SUVs than cars. Some of them are retiring their cars. Like, you know, Mazda is retiring the 6. Toyota might be retiring the Camry. Honda is top selling the Honda Accord. You know, and it's quite sad because these were nice big sedans. Because why? In each of these brands, their SUVs are taking over. Right. And what is an SUV? An SUV is basically a hatchback. For example, take a Golf GTI raise it up, put 20-inch wheels, it's a small Tiguan. <laughs> you know? When you put it that way, yeah. Yeah, take a Toyota Yaris, put some big wheels on it, raise it up, it's a Corolla Cross. I mean, Toyota stopped selling the Toyota Corolla and they sell now the Corolla Cross, which is an SUV. Mm. You know? So, all this is fine. But what has happened now is, uh, and I'm glad someone has brought this up because this is something that's coming from the International Energy Team. So, back in uh, 2023, they already started saying that the global carbon dioxide, this is one year ago, uh, from vehicles on the road have not helped to reduce targeted carbon dioxide emission figures. Okay, Now, so selling all these electric cars, selling all these low emission cars, which has increased globally, the percentages have increased, but the, the number count for emission CO2 has not decreased. It's either the same or slightly gone up. So, even with the rise of electric car sales, it did not assist to cancel the release of carbon dioxide because of large, powerful hybrid and plug-in hybrid SUVs. So what happened is, manufacturers listening to consumers built bigger and bigger and bigger SUVs. Hmm. Now, when you build all these big SUVs, how do you bring down some of those emissions? You start putting in hybrid power plants or plug-in hybrid power plants. Now, I've driven all these big plug-in hybrids, the Volvo XC90, the BMW X7, X5, the, the, the Mercedes, GLE, GLA, GLC. They're all huge. They're all big. They're all so powerful. Because why? When you sell an SUV to anybody, whether it's in Malaysia or Australia or New Zealand or Fiji or, or Maldives, you know, Maldives don't have like Sri Lanka, eh? <laughs> they all say, hey, got power. Hmm. Boss, how? Faster. 
Because why? They want an SUV. They want to be thundering down the road, you know, at insane speeds. You know, I don't know why. Because why? First of all, you said, you know, you want something safer and better and all that. They load in all the safety features. They load in tons of airbags, you know, and they make it powerful. And then, you know, even though you've got a hybrid system working for you, a plug-in hybrid system, sorry, your emissions are still rising up because you've got this huge vehicle, this huge mass to push. And, you know, the five largest automakers in the world, which is Toyota, Volkswagen, Stellantis, General Motors because of the US, and Hyundai Kia because they're, they're one company, each increased their sales of sports uh, utility vehicles, which is SUVs, by 150%. Insane. Not 50%, 150%, which means less passenger cars are selling. So, real CO2 emission from passenger cars on EU roads, because that's where they, they monitor the most, is the same as 12 years ago. Hmm. Nothing has reduced. So, you know, COP28, COP27, you know, all these this meetings of world leaders in Europe to say, eh, you know, let's reduce emissions. You look at them now. When they arrive at all these meetings, eh, you watch you watch on TV. Eh, what car they, they arrive in, right? What car they arrive in? They <laughs> arrive in big, huge SUVs. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the country they're in, they'll use the localized SUV or like, you know, the, the Americans will bring their own SUVs. Mm. These are big slab-sided vehicles. Mm. It's not small. Now, I remember uh, a world meeting of leaders in, in uh, Indonesia and they all came in a wooling Ooh. Small little electric cars, smaller than a, than the original smart, you know? Yeah. Smaller than a canary. Now that's making a point. You arrive in that, but then do you drive it every day? You you arrive in it to make a point on TV. Hmm. But that's about it. You're not you're not using it daily. Now, even in Malaysia, our our leaders are not arriving in small electric cars or even small petrol-driven cars or even small hybrid cars. They're arriving in big. They arrive in the Hyundai Palisade. Yeah. They arrive in the X5. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong. They have the money. They want to arrive in a car. They drive in a you know big MPV, luxury MPV. But how many people are in the vehicle? Yeah. And these cars are obviously too large. They are energy inefficient. Right? Yes. Energy inefficient. They're getting bigger. And you know, my problem is as vehicles get bigger, especially SUVs, when I test drive them, a lot of times I can't go into a mall. The mall car park, mm. when I park these vehicles, it's on the yellow line, left to right. So how do I open the door? Mm. If it's got a sunroof, I can come out through the sunroof. You know, sometimes, you know, if I'm wearing yoga pants, I'll put the windows down and I'll, I'll come out through the window <laughs> and climb across the next car and then come down their, their bonnet. <laughs> At the same time, wiping down their car, you know. Some acrobats. Yes. So it, it doesn't make sense. i give you an example. I'm currently test driving a large luxury SUV. And yesterday, I went for a Yisang dinner in a local hotel, you know, a, a new hotel. And when I parked my car, I couldn't get down from the car. I had to move out of the car parking lot because the car's at the side of me. The, you know, the door opens wide and I'm a wide person. I'm not slim like you. Hmm. So I had to move my car to find another parking lot at a level lower <laughs> next to, you know, where you have a pillar between two cars. Right. So when you open the door, there's a bit more space. Yeah. I had to find a parking space like that to get down from the vehicle. And even then, because of the pillar, I could only open the door maybe 50% and then squeeze out, you know, suck in my tummy, you know. And the whole time, I'm sorry, I'm getting out of context here, but the whole time during dinner, I had to control myself from eating because I, I didn't want to be able to not go into car. How are you then. going to get back inside? <laughs> inside the car, you yeah. know. So this is the problem we're having and nobody's addressing this. People are just selling cars that are bigger and bigger. So in short, 
whatever that is being saved from the sale of electric cars in terms of emissions is being countered with the sale of large SUVs producing a lot of emissions. Right. Um, on a tangent, right, what about diesel yeah. cars? If they're big, are they energy efficient? Definitely not. You're still having that mass to push. Mm. So big pickup trucks, yes, you know, the, the, the engine capacity is getting smaller. Like the new Ford Ranger is 2 litre instead of 2.5. Yeah, 1.9 or something. Yeah, the Isuzu D-Max is 1.9. And they're all very efficient diesels. But they're still diesel engines producing emissions, mm. you know. Uh, there's nothing wrong because they, you still need the you know the plantations to use them, uh, urban cowboys to use them, you know, uh, people to do gardening, people to do electrical work and all that because you need to carry the barang. Hmm. But why are they getting bigger? Uh, on the note of SUVs getting bigger and bigger, right? For like a JPJ or, or at least for parking lot companies, they might really have to right. think of bigger dimensions for every parking lot now. You see, why I say I can't go into a lot of parking lots is because I've been stuck in some. Stuck meaning, I'm not physically stuck, but I go in there, I look at the parking lot, I, I, like, like yesterday, you know? Yeah. So what I've realized is certain parking lots, if I know I'm going in there, if I'm driving a large SUV, I'll say no, cannot. So others have got very wide parking spaces. Yeah. Some, some developers, some mall guys, some condo developers have become a little bit smarter and developed parking lots that are bigger. They even have a little, you know, like a little oval shape mm. between cars. That's where your door opening is supposed to be and all that. You can even move a shopping cart. Very thoughtful, yeah. Yes. But that means they've got less space overall. Less lots overall. Others are trying to cram in as many lots as possible. Mm. You know? So it's, it's, it's something which no one is governing this. No one is saying, hey, you cannot do this. The other issue is also, some of them will say, oh, just give it to the car jockey. I don't want to give my car to the car jockey. I can't afford to pay the car jockey. Yeah. And you your know? car might stick out if they park it at the valet section. I mean, if it sticks out, it sticks out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a global issue. This is not just a Malaysian issue. This is a global issue. Will it be addressed? I don't think so. Mm. You know, maybe in a few years' time. But right now, it's not being addressed. This report that came out also, they're trying to make it, you know, make it aware that, you know, uh, you can sell as many electric cars as you want, but you're not helping with the emissions uh, uh, counter record, you know. Yeah, this is the harsh truth of how um, carbon emissions and um, yeah, CO2 emissions are affecting the world and you know with the automotive industry on uh, overdrive with newer, bigger, more powerful cars it's not really looking like it's a, a viable option in the long run but we'll remain to see how this pans out in the next couple of years. I think when big companies make like shift the paradigms and the, the movements of trying to find efficiency in making big cars then maybe you'll go somewhere uh, we'll be back with a drive review by Daniel right here on Cruise Control BFM 89.9 FM 89.9 It's Cruise Control Ali Johan and Daniel Fernandez On the program And we're down to our last Part of the program Daniel New national car New sedan uh, That you got your hands uh, Behind the wheels of uh, The Proton S70 You know When Proton First Brought in the X70 We thought X70 the SUV We thought wow You know Finally we got something You know That's going to You know Rock Rock a nation, you know, rock the nation. For seven-seater. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a five-seater SUV. It's large. It's, it's you know, 100% Geely technology. It's just rebadged. It's great. 
And then they brought the X50 and then, you know, boom, you know, the sales just rocketed, rocketed. You know, they're doing so well. It's just amazing um, how one company can just turn around another company with just, you know, really good, attractive products and, of course, attractive pricing. Hmm. So now comes a sedan. Now, when they when they first said, oh, you know, we've got an S70 coming and, you know, uh, it's going to be a sedan, it's going to be a, a Geely product and, you know, uh, this is what it's going to be like and this is what it's going to look like and everything else. They showed us a, a preview of it. Uh, we said, is the sedan market really ready for this? Because why? We already have two very, very strong contenders in this segment, which is the Honda City. Mm. I'm talking about price, eh? not size. Honda City and the Toyota Vios. And just the last one year, the Honda City has been doing so well. It's, you know, you see it everywhere, you know. And it's a nice car. It's, it's got a number of variants. The prices vary from, you know, uh, 20,000 difference, you know. So you can get a low spec, you can get a high spec. Then Toyota came out with the Vios. And boom, another bestseller for Toyota. Uh, it did well. It, you know, took on a lot of people. Now, I, I know I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm, I'm rolling along, you know, <laughs> with no direction. What I'm trying people to listen and understand is, this is a segment that has been controlled by Toyota and Honda for the longest time. Yes, you have Mazda in the, in the mix. You have Nissan Almera. Nissan Almera is not doing as well as it should. It's a nice vehicle, one liter turbocharged. It's a large vehicle, but it's not been taken seriously. I think it's one of the one of the you know sleeping products out there. You know, sleeping because they're not doing enough to tell people go out, find a Tanchong showroom, test drive it because the Nissan Almera actually is good value. But again, you know, people have their own you know decisions to make. So now Proton says, okay, I'm going to play in the segment. I've done well in the in the SUV segment. I've done well in the crossover segment. Now I'm going to play in the sedan segment. I'm going to tickle Toyota and Honda, the two big boys mm. in this segment, the dominant players. So comes the S70. So in a nutshell, you don't need me to tell you this. This is another Geely product. And not just any Geely product, a successful Geely product. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, Geely has been selling this vehicle in whatever markets they go to, as the M Grand. Right. Okay? In Philippines, now, in uh, China as well, right? Yes. So, as the M Grand, this has been a very, very popular vehicle. Okay? Now, size-wise, it's slightly bigger than the City and the Vios. Now, I haven't got the exact dimensions. I might be wrong because I, have, I haven't taken a measuring tape to it. But when I sit in the car, when I sit at the back, when I look at the boot... I look at the stance on the car park, it is slightly bigger. In every way, it's slightly bigger, but it's lower. And when I say lower, I'm talking about roofline lower. It's got a very nice, low, sleek-looking design, you know? Almost like a Civic from two, three generations ago, you know? That sport sedan kind of look. Right. Kind, and, of, kind uh, of low, kind of kind of long and… Yes. You know, the portions, you know, you know the, if you look at it sideways, eh? the boot against the engine, against the cabin space, the portions are just perfect. A kid who likes to draw a car, side view, this is the easiest car for them to draw. Okay, I get what the you mean. The basic shape. The yeah, basic it's shape. so nice. But, yeah. then if you, uh, but then if you go down to the nitty-gritty, you know, the grill, the lights, the bumper and all that, Geely has done a fantastic job with the design. I'll use the word fantastic. I don't like to use this word very often, but I'll use the word fantastic because it looks really nice. You know? Hmm. It, you know, the sweatback headlamps, you know, the slight, slight shoulders uh, as, as you come down the window waistline, you know, the nice stance on the car, you know, the lower bumper, the light treatment, and then you go at the back, you know, they've just got it right, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, it's giving me Camry vibes. You're right. You're right. You're very right. You know, it's it's got that like a Camry but smaller. Mm. You know, mm. and it's not very busy. The design is not busy. The design is not like, oh, you either hate it or like it. You definitely like it. You know, some cars are designed in such a way. Hey, this one. Then your friend will say, hey, brother, it's damn nice, man. Then someone else said, no, lah, not nice. But this car, you cannot find anything negative about it, hmm. and it appeals to both male and female. You know, so it's one of those cars which I think I'm going to use the word evergreen design. Right. It's safe yet interesting enough to stay relevant for a pretty long time. So we had the car for a short while. We took it out. We test drove it and everything else. Now in our review in uh, DSF. My new staff was actually able to take the car to Penang and back, so he came back. Oh, he was just blown away, and he's driven the competition uh, also on 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 long distance drives. So he has got enough highway and in city time with the car, so he loved it. But for me, it was just city driving. Of course, local highways. I took the car out and all that. But I want to say this: the first impression you get in the car, the dashboard is so clean and. And well laid out, it's not cluttered. Okay, you got this long, you know. I know this is my little quirky thing. Like I don't like infotainment screens sitting on top of the dashboard. I like it sitting down, incorporated into the dashboard. But this one, even though it's sitting on top of the dashboard, it it's above the eye line to the to the top of the bonnet. You know, mm. so it's not it's not disturbing my view outside from the front windscreen. So okay, I'll give it that. Well done. The driver's instrument cluster. It's large. It's digital. It's got so much information on it. You will love it because you don't need to look at the cluster on the left. You've got your what radio station you're listening to, your power, your this, your that, uh, your your early warning systems for cars coming on the left or right. Everything is displayed there. Your start stop button is easy reach from your, with your left hand. Your steering mounted, um, uh, you know, uh, controls. Are all easy to use. The only quirky thing I have to say is the only quirky thing that I'm not a little bit happy is the volume control, which is on the steering wheel for the audio system. Of course, you can use the screen. You know, you can touch screen and all that. But the ones on the on the steering, ah, yeah, I don't like the feel. You know, I like a rotary knob. You know, this is like a clicker. You know, I like a rotary knob because rotary knob, but it, it's it feels so nice when you rotor up or down. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just me. I'm gonna you know old man lah. You know, human me. But the steering has got a nice feel. The weight is just nice, and then we have my best feature, lah. Okay, the drive dynamics. Now, Proton previously always said, "Oh, you know, handling by Lotus, handling by Lotus." There's no more handling by Lotus, lah. Let me tell you, lah. You know, Lotus is a separate company. Of course, under GD, but separate company. Nobody is sitting down there and doing handling by Lotus. This car comes directly from China, sorry, and you know. They've tuned it. They've they've uh, made some improvements, maybe to sound deadening or maybe you know interior because it's local assemble. It's done in Tanjung Malim. Fine, but I don't think the Lotus handling is there, and still, it handles really well. It's a fun driving machine. Okay, it goes around corners. It's not stiff and on the road. It flows with the corner. You know, you feel like the car is floating a little bit if you go fast. I'm 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 talking about really going fast, and yet it holds its line. Holding its line is what is important. Yes, the rear might you know tilt a little bit, you know, that five ten ten degrees. But that's where the fun is. Mm. You know, you feel like the car is eh, boleh lah, you know. But I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, I want that Lotus handling. That Lotus handling came with the Suprema and Preve, you know, with the Gen two, great. But this time you don't need Lotus handling. 
you just need jelly handling <laughs> roton handling you know yeah now it's got a inline uh, three uh, turbocharged petrol engine um it's the same engine as the x50 to me i think it's the same engine as the x50 uh we've not gone deep into this to find out what it is because we just got the car uh 1477 cc you know 1.5 literally so your rotex is super cheap you know uh fuel consumption on a full tank it shows a 630 possible kilometers of driving range you know wow so it's well we you know when we test drive a car we don't do the fuel efficiency test like you know we just whack it like you know mm. like i told you going around corners and all that but if you can give me that kind of driving distance while i'm driving uh fast around corners that means the fuel consumption is pretty good and anyway the 1.5 cc engine nowadays you no know, when it's 1.5 turbocharged if you got a light foot you're going to get a lot of mileage out of it seven speed dct gearbox okay so seven speed means it's also saving you fuel as you push it along now it's got 148 horsepower that doesn't sound like a lot but when we drive it it feels like 180 horsepower it feels mm. because the turbocharger kicks in early the gearbox is responsive you know the engine feels eager the engine feels like yeah take me take me go 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 you know it doesn't feel lethargic it doesn't feel like it's holding back maybe it's you know the way the car is designed maybe it's the weight but you know it's it's just fun the torque is 226 very decent now 0 to 200 uh, kilometer acceleration is 9 seconds so maybe it's my my impression of the car going faster than it really is but 9 seconds is pretty decent mm. you know maybe the mid range torque is a lot better you know but i'm thinking to myself all these figures is delivering a car a sedan below 95000 ringgit we we drove the high spec which is 94000 and you're getting quite a lot of fun out of it now there is a lower spec version at 74000 i i would like to drive it to see whether there's a huge difference or not but i think you know beyond that uh, well done la proton with the s70 i like to say that well done because why if you can keep up with this kind of quality after sales and price and deliver a vehicle like this which has got quite quite enough fun you know when you need it good highway stability nice fun handling i used to word fun handling because why if you really want to push it you you get a little bit of tire raw tire screech which is what you want in a car mm. you know if you have handling that is so good and you're not going to feel anything why i'll give you a simple example i'm not, i'm i'm i know i'm going to go into a different direction now i have a mazda mx5 first generation rear wheel drive simple 1.6 everything stock standard now when i meet people the first thing that did you do on the suspension i said listen mazda spent years delivering a, a car that handles with a bit of screech with a bit of tail wagging you know because why that's fun in driving driving you know yeah. not commuting now if you're going to give it rock solid sport suspension and you're not going to go on the track you're not going to have any fun with the car you spend 10000 ringgit just making some seller happy So coming back to this S70 people ask me oh you know who's going to buy it so plenty of people people currently looking at the segment leaders to say hey i got a different option right now to look at but more importantly and i think this is starting to apply is everybody who used to own a preve or suprema and loved it and who still you know want you know they there are a lot of people out there who want to keep flying the proton flag and it's good because why proton is now a force to be reckoned if you want to keep flying the proton flag 
you will trade in your Suprema and Preve, which is now more than 10 years old, 12 years old. You know, parts are starting to go. It's starting to get, get a little bit expensive to maintain. It's time to sell it. Sell it. Trade it in. Okay, you'll get a low price. But whatever price you get, that's your cash to put your down payment to start a brand new loan. Because your Suprema, your Gen 2, your, your, your Preve, if you were the first owner, would have been fully paid by now. Mm. So if you find, or, or you know, maybe by now you've, you've got a, a child who's you know, 17 or 18 who needs a new car, don't buy them a new car. Give them your old Suprema and Preve. Let them learn the hardships of car ownership the best way can, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you buy yourself a new car, you know? So thumbs up to the S70. Thumbs up to its space, build quality, features, ease of use. I know the engine is just a 3-liter 1.5 turbocharged, but there's nothing wrong with it. In terms of my driving, my driving time with it, nothing wrong with it. Yeah, and you know, in this spec, these kinds of cars we mentioned earlier, the other competitors or the more prominent in this segment, the B segment sedan, uh, Vios, City. When I drive these cars, I've, I've driven a few of main. I think mostly the cars I drive are in this segment. Okay. And 1.5 sedans tend to feel light, like it's not planted. Yes. How does this feel on? I guess in, in that respect. So I'll tell you why a lot of 1.5 cars don't feel planted. It's nothing to do with the product. It's right down to the suspension and the tire choice. Now, a lot of these cars, if you, if, that is why you see a lot of people straight away going to the accessory shop and changing all this. Mm. Now, the manufacturer is giving you a car. In this segment, they're giving you a car. It's a commuter car. It's supposed to take you to work and back every day. Once a month, balik kampung. Or once a month, you want to go for a little holiday. But that is so. You're, you're supposed to be doing 110 on the highway. I've driven some of these cars you're talking about, long distance. If you go above 130, 140, sometimes you want to be a bit daring, you know, challenge ourselves. Eh? Sorry, PDRM. Yes, the car will be a bit floaty. You know, the, 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 the handling, will, the tracking will start going left and right a little bit. Because why? They are using low-cost tires, not bad tires, low-cost tires. These are not super grippy tires. And they're using very simple suspension. So if you load it up with luggage, you'll, you will see the back squatting a little bit la, which is not bad for the car mm. if you do it once in a while if you do it every day now of course you know you know you you transporting brass from thailand to kl every day in the back of your car of course you know your car will be squatting at the back but in the s70 you don't feel it because they've they've sorted out the suspension they've sorted out the tires i think what they're trying to say is uh, hey competition come la play mm. you know i've come i've come with a product that I'm going to give my, my consumers uh, no reason to go to the accessory shop. Sound system is so decent, you know. Infotainment, connectivity, semua ada. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Navigation, all got. So I don't need to go to any accessory shop. All the accessory shop in the banda, please tutup kedai. You know, because your business tada laku already. I'm giving you a car, tire, rim choice, everything rock solid. Plus, I'm making sure that you keep your warranty because when you go and play with your tire, rim, and suspension, you can lose your warranty on a vehicle yeah, it's while, it's, while, while it's, you know, the five-year warranty. Mm. So the S70 comes as a complete product. I can also see the government taking on this car as, you know, government vehicle. Right. And even better, I can also see the car rental companies, you know, uh, that do leasing, short-term rentals, all uh, because of the price, the features, and all that. Uh, Whoa, this is going to be a car to use. So, segment bestseller, easily. Ooh, Proton S70 1.5T flagship uh, spec. 
going for 94,800 ringgit and that's Daniel's glowing review of his time uh, spent in the, the the new S70. It's been a couple of months it's released now. So yes. uh, we still you, you don't see you don't see many on the road eh? mm. but it's, it's the deliveries are already starting. Awesome. So that's I guess all the time we have for the program tonight on Cruise Control. Thank you so much Daniel for your review. Thank you for having me. You're making me want to go out and check out this S70 now. Uh, but please, please do or you can come to my house. Right. Okay. We're going to leave you here. Uh, if you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast. Uh, check it out on the BFM app, which you can get on uh, Google Play or the Apple App Store. Or you can check us out on the website, www.bfm.my. Signing out. Uh, on behalf of Daniel Fernandez and myself, Ali Johan, this has been Cruise Control, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.